70% of our adult awake life is spent at work. That's a lot of time. That's a, as a percentage, that's significant. We should probably make the effort to be happy and fulfilled with what we're doing when we're at work. Otherwise, yeah, we're missing a trick. Harnessing human potential. What does it take to lead people to perform at their peak? Matt Locke, the co-founder of The Bay Games and author of the book, Lead by Example, joins me behind the mic today to talk about these ideas in sport, work, and our everyday life. The Bay Games allows everyday athletes from all over the world to connect and collaborate through friendly competition, but the games are much more than a sporting event. To talk about it further, I'm very pleased to welcome Matt Locke to the show. How are you today, Matt? I am well, and thank you for having me on. It's uh, really a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk about how the games began, what they're all about, and how people can get involved this year. But first of all, I want to ask you, who is an everyday athlete? Yeah, great question. Thank you. And look, the way we define that is simply for those people who participate in sport, but it's not what they do for a living. They don't get paid. They're not an elite athlete per se. So certainly I'm an everyday athlete. I love my sport, but I certainly don't make a living doing it. And so therefore, like me, people you know have nine to five jobs. They have life commitments, maybe kids, all the other stuff going on in their life. And for them, their hobby and their sport is exactly that. It's uh, an escape. It's a way of staying, being part of a community and having some fun, one would hope. Um, so certainly that's how we like to think of everyday athletes. And that's absolutely our audience, exclusively, in fact, even though we have a whole range of ambassadors or elite athletes, sort of former world champions, Olympians, somehow you know, part of our family, and they certainly come to our events. They don't compete. They actually, a number of them just love the fact that we said, sorry, it's not for you, but you're welcome to be here. So absolutely, we live and breathe for everyday athletes. That's awesome. I love that. So tell me, what exactly are the Bay Games? What's it all about? And how to get started? Sure. Well, the Bay Games started from rather humble beginnings back in 2017. And it really was a spark of an idea when my wife and I and another couple were at a, an event in Wollongong in New South Wales here in Australia. And we were watching, it was one of the CrossFit events, the regional CrossFit event. And so they for sure are elite athletes. And we were watching these absolute weapons, you know, work their magic on the, the competition floor. And it just dawned on us, you know, like it was the most amazing atmosphere, amazing atmosphere, huge crowd, everyone's screaming. You could see how that lifted the performance of the athletes. You could see how a number of them were, you know, breaking through the previous personal best glass ceilings and all the rest of it, just because of the atmosphere and, and the electric nature of it. And so, you know, we were having a ball and it was actually my wife, Nerida, who said, um, you know, this is amazing, but what about the rest of us? This is fine for the elite athletes, but what about us? What about all of the other sort of, as we now call them, everyday athletes? And I guess we kind of looked at her and she said the words. She said, oh, we could do this in Jervis Bay where we live. We could call it the Bay Games. And that's exactly how it came to be. So as a group of four, we, we kind of put together quite quickly uh, or one day very much in the, in the functional fitness space. So not a, not a CrossFit event per se. We're not CrossFit. That's a brand. And we're not that brand, but it's the same style of training. It's functional fitness at the end of the day. And CrossFit have done an amazing job of popularizing that. So we, yeah, it became a one-day functional fitness event in the, the beautiful Jervis Bay in New South Wales. And for those who haven't been here yet, I could only encourage you to come and play because uh, I don't know how it makes this claim, but it does. Gen legitimately, um, Hyams Beach is one of our more 
well-known local beaches that uh, is in the Guinness Book of Records for having the whitest sand in the world. Now, I don't know how they've arrived at that. I mean, it is very white, but there are a lot of white beaches in the world. So anyway, nonetheless, it gives you a flavour, at least, of what Jervis Bay is like. I and mean, it really is white sand, clear waters, just beautiful. And we ran that one-day event, and it was just really successful. And we had, I think, a couple of hundred everyday athletes that year, and they had a ball and encouraged us to go forward. And so we, yeah, we formed, formed it as a business and turned it into a two-day event. And the second year, we had a little over 600 athletes. And the third year, we had about 1,100 athletes, everyday athletes. And that led to about oh, five and a half, six thousand spectators for over a two-day weekend. So it really grew quite rapidly. And, you know, we, we worked hard for that. It didn't happen on its own. But it, it's just one of the most um, wonderful experiences to see the sense of community that's created. Everyone's performance is just heightened. Because it, as we had observed in the first place, the motivation behind it was exactly that. To provide, I guess, the feeling and, and an atmosphere of that that elite athletes get to enjoy, but for everyday athletes. So we worked hard and, and continue to work hard to provide that environment. And you can see it, it works. I mean, the uh, the team spirit, the camaraderie is amazing, the sense of community, but as well, everyone's pushing themselves. You know, they feel in a safe environment. It, it's friendly competition, which still has the word competition in that term. And yeah, everyone has a great time and certainly it grows from strength to strength, yeah, other than when COVID comes to play. Obviously, that makes large in-person events a little tricky. Apart from the actual event itself, what are some of the goals that you have for the Bay Games with, you know, community and collaboration? You talk about connecting people from all over the world. Yeah, absolutely. So we had, um, so from there, we, we grew to it and we added an online event, something we call the Grand Slam. And that basically we wanted to be able to reach more, more everyday athletes around the world and Australia, of course. And so we created an, an online competition that uh, ran over three weeks. And again, we, you know, we were blown away by the result. We had everyday athletes from over 28 countries participating. So from, from Little Jervis Bay in New South Wales, we really had created this, this global sort of friendly, functional uh, fitness competition. But actually goes beyond that. So there's two parts to my answer, really. And the first in terms of, in terms of the purpose of the business and and, and how we, well, I think how we measure it almost, one of the really important measurements for us is we're, we're officially partnered or in support of, I should say, the, the legal term, we're in support of Lifeline Australia. And so, you know, mental health is a really big topic, even before COVID, you know, a really big topic for, for most people, you know, for a lot of people in many societies around the world. And certainly that's true in Australia. And I think most people are aware of the benefit exercise and the benefit of community when it comes to improving mental health. And so for us, it was a very natural fit to align ourselves with Lifeline Australia, who are very much at the pointy end of the, uh, the story, in as much as you know, when people are in their darkest moments, that's who they call. And so we measure ourselves uh, by how many calls we collectively pay for at Lifeline each year. And that means that in all of our events and the programs I'll talk about in a minute, embedded or baked into the, the business model of each of those is the giving component. And actually one of the measurements, we really do measure ourselves by internally is each year, how many calls can we pay for? And I can tell you now that each call costs 39 Australian dollars and that the Lifeline uh, phones ring every 30 seconds, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's a lot of calls. And we pay for this stage um, between one and 2,000 calls a year. Not all of those are life-saving calls, of course. That would be dramatic and hyperbole, but some of them are. And we find that very motivating. And I know that for our audience, they, they appreciate that connection. They appreciate knowing that um, a component of 
either a registration fee or a subscription is directly impacting the lives of others in a very positive way. So that's the first part of the answer. The other part is beyond the friendly competition. I guess, um, I mean, my background is in corporate. You know, I've, I've sort of had a corporate career up until about five years ago when I chose to pursue something that was more fulfilling for me, let's say. And I know very well the frustrations in most businesses uh, trying to get you know, teams of people collaborating, communicating well, performing at, at their peak. I mean, that's, it's not easy to complex dynamic environments. And of course, you know, as the world's become more digital, more displaced, dispersed, that, that can lead to greater disconnection, a sense of isolation. And of course, we have pandemics that come and play, which exacerbate that situation. So we, we looked at, well, all right, what can we do about that? What, how can we try and recreate the magic that we see on the competition floor? and bring that into a workplace environment and try and recreate that magic, that sense of connection. Because, you know, when we go to the gym in the morning or we're playing whatever sport we're playing, hierarchy becomes irrelevant in terms of external hierarchy. If you're in a team, then of course there's a hierarchy. But it doesn't matter. You could have theoretically the CEO of a large multinational company partnered up with someone who's not in a senior role like that. Um, and they don't care at that point when they're doing that workout together and they're training together, it becomes irrelevant. They sweat, they suffer, and they smile together. And so we, we created a workplace program, which we're now yeah, delivering to a number of companies, whereby we, yeah, I guess we foster a high level of collaboration, connection, community within those organizations. And we do that, yes, through movement, but it's not a fitness program, but we do use movement as the glue for sure. And we, we also educate around lifestyle. Uh, habits such as sleep, stress management, diet, movement, and the like. And certainly more recently, we've launched our Unleashing Potential program, which is a 12-month program. And that really is all about, and I'm, I'm not just plugging it, um, it's relevant because it goes to the heart of what we do. I mean, that, that is very much focused on what motivates people and groups of people to perform at their peak. And so over that 12 months, we go through all aspects to do with mindset, which can be reframing negative self-talk, and how intrinsic motivation really makes us tick uh, and helps us to perform at our peak, our sense of purpose and connecting it with our why. Um, certainly, we talk about fundamental lifestyle habits, as I've mentioned already, stress management, nutrition, sleep. I mean, they're really important. And then, of course, movement uh, and how movement should and could be built into a, a lifestyle, but in a way that's fun and that promotes or uh, proactively safeguards longevity and long-term health and well-being. So... That's really what we're all about. And it always sometimes fascinates me that this is where we've got to and uh, we haven't finished yet. But from what started out as us watching a sporting event in, in Wollongong, New South Wales. And here we are now having an impact directly impacting all of the people who participate in any of our events and programs, but as well impacting positively the lives of those that are calling Lifeline. That's awesome. So let's dive into that a little bit more in terms of getting teams to work together, work at their peak what are some of the things that you implement in your programs that help to reframe the mindset and really get people unleashing their human potential? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a great question. So often it, it starts with, it depends, if we start on an individual level, and I use the term, what motivates people and groups of people to perform at their peak? I mean, it starts with, at the end of the day, if you have a, a group of 10 people to start with they are 10 individuals and so each of them would benefit from really understanding what motivates them from an intrinsic motivation perspective not ex not extrinsic like uh, they get paid there might be a bonus on offer you know the promise of 
promotion, they're extrinsic. And look, science has shown that extrinsic motivations, they only go so far. You reach a point where actually just more money for most people is not the solution. There needs to be more to it than that. And so certainly we do quite a lot of education around something that's called the self-determination theory. And it's something that the world of positive psychology has been educating the world on for over a decade now. And it's really quite powerful. And there are three components to that. One is competence, which is really a key element of motivation. The other is autonomy. So having a choice, being able to master something new. So that's competence. Autonomy is having a choice, making decisions and feeling empowered that they're somehow in control of their own destiny. And then for sure, relatedness, making people part of a community and a sense of belonging. So if I think about, for example, the workplace wellness program that we have, certainly each week there is a movement, a team movement challenge. So it's always in teams of three, four or five, deliberately so, not pairs in this case. So teams of three, four or five. So initially they, they get to choose who they're in the team with. There are two movement options each week. One is a little bit more fitnessy focused, so high intensity type stuff. All body weight stuff, or with the jump rope, for example, which we provide, but or, or something that might be yeah, movement in a different way. It might be go for a walk in the park and you know, talk about this week's subject, which is this. Conscious in a workplace, it can be a very diverse environment in terms of people's abilities, age, uh, are they injured, that kind of thing. So, but right from the outset, they're getting to make choices. You know, so we're giving them a choice. So again, that, that's really quite empowering. They actually choose to be part of the program. In fact, but what as well we do. So there's the sort of the autonomy box ticked. Then when it comes to the competence part, well, we all need to, you know, from an intrinsic motivation perspective, it's important that we we feel like we're we're getting ahead, we're mastering a new skill, let's say. But it has to be done in a way where it can be measured incrementally so we can celebrate the mini wins. And I know that's become quite trendy these days to talk about mini goals, mini wins, and celebrate the mini wins. And, and we believe in that deeply rather than just having you know, it's a bit like even a business environment, I guess, if you had your annual budget and you only looked at that annual target, this great big number at the end of the year that you have to hit. Well, that's not very motivating. That's probably demotivating. But if you break it down, if you buy some pieces and go, well, all right, then per month, it looks like this, or per week or per day, even, it looks like this. It's much more A, palatable, and B, then you get to the end of the day and go, yay, celebrate the money when we hit that goal, same again tomorrow. That's far more motivating. And so by building in the the movement challenges in their teams that we do a they've got the ability to learn new skills for sure and, and master those but as well it's eminently measurable because they know how long it took them or how many reps they did or where they sit on the leaderboard and so on so it's um the ability to celebrate many wins is absolutely baked into it and without question i think the biggest component and, and that's more and more over time the biggest component is that one about relatedness that sense of community. And that's a little bit why we put them in teams of three, four, or five. With pairs, you see, you can have, I mean, we, we love, I mean, I love training and competing in pairs in a sort of functional fitness world, but in a workplace environment, the risk is if you work in pairs, you can have a really dominant member of that team of two, and it changes the dynamics totally as soon as you make it three, four, or five. Six and beyond is too hard. I mean, I think anyone listening to this could relate, trying to organize seven plus people to be at a certain point at a certain time in a certain day of the week that would be like herding cats and nigh on impossible so in fact we tend to give advice when we onboard companies is teams of three four or five our advice is go for teams of three <laughs> 
because it's just easier to organize with because everyone's so busy. But that sense of community and look, people, you know, the people that participate, they have fun. And like, they, because from the outset, if I said to you, you know, here's, if you want to do the, the more fitness oriented challenge this week, it might be, and I'm making this up now, 10 air squats, 10 push ups, 10 something else. So you've got to share the workload equally. Fastest time wins. Go. The first thing that's going to happen is going to be a conversation. You go, right, strengths and weaknesses. I'm better at this. I'm not at that. So you do that. Well, let's do fives. And then so immediately having a conversation. And for sure, then <laughs> um, plan A may fall apart. And there's some laughter around that. And plan B comes into place and maybe plan G, H, I. But people have fun with it at the end of it. They're not taking it too seriously. I mean, I mentioned the leaderboard. But honestly, it's not about that. There's no prizes per se. In fact, the only prize each week for the winning team is that if it's a team of three, we pay for three pools at Lifeline. And each member of that team knows that as a result of their efforts and success that week, that another call at Lifeline has been paid for, plus the kudos, of course, uh, internally with the, amongst the peers. But, but yeah, the, I mean, certainly the motivation to participate and to compete and to play hard, it's not driven by extrinsic uh, motivation. It's very much intrinsic. So that sense of community and without question, any of the clients that we've been working with so far, they say for sure, the biggest takeaway, the biggest thing they see quite quickly, as in by the end of week two already, they said that just everyone's having fun with it. They're into the groove. They've got over that initial first week nervousness. Oh, can I do it? They now realize they can do it. It's designed so it can be done. Um, and they have fun with it and, and it draws people closer together. Yeah. So communities are really big box to tick. And so that's a very long answer for how we ultimately try and sort of harness human potential, unleash human potential. And that, that's in a workplace environment, certainly. So it's the same as on the competition floor, really. It's the same with going to the gym, honestly. If you go to, for those that go and do a gym class, you know, you're choosing which gym you go to. You're choosing what time you go. Um, you, you can measure what you're doing because, yeah, depending on what the class is, but, you know, it might be that you've got to do what's written on the whiteboard and, you can do that. And there's a clock with a timer, maybe it depends what you're doing. But so there's actually, without realizing it, many of us are ticking a lot of these boxes and what we do. And that's actually why we do it. Otherwise, it's hard to explain why we get up at five o'clock in the morning on a cold winter's morning and go outside into the cold and, and participate in any of this stuff. Um, it, it's a fascinating subject for self-determination theory. It really is. And um, we really think carefully about how we deploy that in anything that we put together. I love what you say about the intrinsic drive compared to the external, like anything in the external is going to wear out eventually, whether, you know, it is that raise or you're doing it for someone else. I think that has a very short shelf life, but when you do something for yourself internally, it's a lot stronger to be able to keep going with that. But where does that kind of intrinsic drive actually come from when you know we set a goal and and you have that inner determination I guess to keep going with it yeah no fantastic when we go through this is a process we do with, with a lot of the delegates because it's sort of it's a starting point really and um like Simon Sinek's uh, start with why ultimately is the foundation of where we begin and and for those who haven't for those who haven't heard of Simon Sinek or the start with why, I mean, I would encourage you just to go to YouTube and search for that. And maybe you'll put that in your show notes um, for this episode because it's just fantastic. But, but that's where it does come down to. I mean, what is it that keeps us? Yeah, as you said, what is it that that intrinsic motivation, where does it really come from? And 
we tend to start with helping people understand what their why is, what's the sense of purpose behind it. There has to be something. And, and often the technique we use is called chunking. So, for example, if someone, again, staying with the health and fitness space as a, an easy reference point, if someone was to say to a PT, you know, I'm going to come and do some PTs with you because I want to lose weight. Okay, then the first obvious question is, yeah, other than like, great, brilliant, out of interest, why do you want to lose weight? Because I want to be able to fit into my genes again. Yeah, but why? And it's called chunking. And you go, why? And you basically go up and up and up and you chunk and chunk and chunk because normally the first answer you get is not the right answer. Well, it's not that it's wrong. It's just not the, the real reason. And it might be that they want to look, they might even say you know, it's an aesthetic, like, well, I want to look better in the mirror, which I think most of us do regardless of who you are. When our eyes go across ourselves in the mirror, they normally go to the bits we're not happy with. But it goes deeper than that. It goes deeper than the aesthetics of it. And normally, in this example, it's because they want to feel better. They don't want to feel like crap anymore. They don't want to feel pudgy or ill or lethargic or whatever it may be. You know, we, we've got yeah, a number of, sort of dietitians as well, you know, nutritionists that we deal with. And they say it's the same for them as it is with PTs. When people say, I want to lose weight. If you keep drilling, it's normally in the end because they want to feel better. And once you, whatever, the, whatever the finishing point is, that's the thing that should drive them. And it might be they don't have awareness of it. You, you, you know, these conversations bring it to the surface and it creates a, a greater sense of awareness. So once you attach it to something like, well, I want to feel better. I want to be able to play with the kids on the trampoline. I want to be able to go cycling with you know i want to be as healthy and mobile as for as long as i can in my lifetime actually you know if i fall over when i'm a bit older i want to be able to get back up i want to be able to carry the shopping up the stairs uh, really practical stuff once you relate it back to those kind of examples when it may be that they have a goal it might be oh well i want to be able to do this you know well why why do you want to go because and, and get to that emotive role how will it make them feel what's the real driver behind that that then is so powerful because you can link it all back to that. You know, when they, when that person wakes up at five in the morning, goes, oh, God, I'm tired, you know, not to, to install the trigger where the second they think that, they remind themselves what it's all about. It's about something bigger than just that training session or that game or whatever it is. And so starting with someone's purpose, their why, is absolutely the starting point. And, and that's ultimately what fuels and drives are intrinsic motivation. Mm, that's an awesome answer. I've read that book, Start With Why by Simon Sinek as well. It's when you start looking at, at your life and you know what you do with, with every day, your business, your exercise, whatever it is from the place of why, I think it really changes the way that you go about it and operate day to day and do those things that are important to you. Uh, absolutely. And look, uh, it's not uncommon when we have these conversations, you know, in, in a a professional setting that, that people realize and, and certainly in, in my book if you haven't got to that part yet you will where there's a part where where it was suggested to me that i leave it out i'll leave that part out because hr managers we that might not like it and that's all the more reason i left it in to be honest nothing against hr managers but if they didn't like the bit that's written that i'm about to explain then they've missed the point and they should go back to the beginning of that chapter <laughs> and they should read it again because it's not uncommon when you help people understand their why. Actually, it turns out there are probably some things in their life that fundamentally not aligned with. And the best advice in the world at that point is, well, maybe some things need to change. And in a work environment, that might mean a different role. 
might mean a different company. And it was suggested that if I put there, you know, that's that's where some oh, when you know, the HR manager or the business owner was reading that, hmm, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't make them want to hand the book out to their employees or or onboard, you know, your program. I said, well, on the contrary, they're missing the point. Because if you've got an employee or someone in your team that is, you know, their values and your values are not aligned, their sense of purpose is different to yours, then it's probably better that they're not part of the team. And it's not a negative, not at all. On the contrary, it'd be better for both parties. And certainly that's the reality when we're talking on an individual level. It's not uncommon that, that one area of someone's life is, yeah, it's, it's not calibrated. It's not sitting right. And that's where, of course, we encourage them to sit. Let, let's camp there for a while and think about how it could be handled differently. And it might just be some subtle changes it might even just be reframing how how they perceive something or it might be yeah okay actually it might be time to change and invariably when those who are oh, bold enough brave enough to make those changes never look back never and, and i know that i mean i i should have left my corporate role oh, a handful of years before i did and there was nothing wrong with the company at all i worked for a great company i had a great job in fact everything about it was great except it just didn't light me up I just found myself unfulfilled and it was no fault of the companies. And, and even what they did was for good. You know, it was a company that had very strong values that I was in many ways aligned with. I just, when I think about the self-determination theory, it just didn't pick my boxes. It was as simple as that. So, and I, I made the change, a fairly major change, moved back from Singapore, stepped out of corporate and so on. But at the time, people were going, oh, you're mad. Why would you do that? You know, I had a career path ahead of me and all of those things. And I couldn't explain it at the time. And it was really only after some soul searching and self-education and, uh, and going through uh, and doing a whole bunch of programs and discovering positive psychology and uh, a guy called Ross Hastings. I'm going to always name him as, uh, as the person that you know, introduced me to the self-determination theory. And it just was like a light bulb going on. It's like, ah, I can now explain <laughs> why I just didn't feel satisfied with my lot, even though I, on the outside, ticked every box. So, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, have, I love having these conversations. I love running our programs. And I, my, favorite, my favorite part is exactly that, when we dive into people's why and help, help them get clarity about what it is that lights them up and really motivates them from the core. I love that part. Yeah, that's awesome. And when you consider we spend most of our week, we spend most of our lives working, you know, if you have a 40-hour work week or less or more, it's still the majority of our time. So if it's not something that is really aligned with us and lights us up, then we're spending a lot of our lives not feeling fulfilled. You're right, 100%. Here's a number for you. So here's a, a percentage of our adult life that we are awake. So taking out the sleeping hours. 70% of our adult awake life is spent at work. Mm. That's a lot of time. That's a, as a percentage, that's significant. So you're right. You're perfect with what you said. We, we should probably make the effort to be happy and fulfilled with what we're doing when we're at work. Otherwise, yeah, we're missing a trick. Oh, absolutely. I want to pose a question for everyone listening just based on that. What are we doing with 70% of our lives? That's a massive percentage to think about so yeah well here's a really good task as well i mean um i, I would encourage all of your listeners to get a pen and paper and uh, and after i've explained the task it's just to press pause and go through the exercise because 
Could you write down in one sentence, or one word even, but certainly one sentence, no more than two sentences, what your why is, what your individual, personal, what's your why, what's your purpose, what's your intrinsic motivation? And if, if you're game, press pause now and just take a few minutes or take as long as you like, in fact, to, to write that down. And in my experience, a bunch of people will go, right, brilliant, they'll press pause, they'll grab a pen and paper, and they'll stop and think about it. And then at some stage, look for a way to figure out what their why is, because actually it's not so clear after all. And it's a really valuable exercise. So I would encourage everyone to do it. It's really good. Oh, I do it. I still do it. Every once a quarter, in fact, I, I sit down and I, amongst other things, that's one of the tasks I set myself. Mm, that's awesome. That's a great exercise. I'm going to do that as well when we get off the recording today. <laughs> so I also want to talk about functional fitness, just going back to talking about the games. Yeah. What is it that you love about functional training and functional fitness as a sport? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I love the fact you call it as a sport because it somehow is a sport these days, um, or it can be, or it can just be a way of training. For me, I think the virtues of functional fitness it's just about being life ready i think that's it's so holistic i mean my background is ultra distance triathlon and i you know i did that quite successfully for a decade albeit as an everyday athlete and i became really good at three things i was very pretty good at swimming riding a bike and running but not much else and the first time i got exposed to functional fitness it was really humbling I went from, in my normal environment, being, yeah, you know, strong, dominant, let's say, in my, my particular sport, to, yeah, having, having my, my jock fall down, my, my butt bared, let me tell you, because I was quite weak outside of those three disciplines. And that was one of the things that really almost startled me. And it made me realize that actually there has to be a, a, a better, more well-rounded holistic approach to health and wellness and of which fitness is a part of course and i love as well the fact that functional fitness done properly which most places do it makes it accessible for everyone you could go there with nana and do a class like it's accessible to everyone and it's it's a it's a bad as the name would suggest just being life ready you know it, it's it's squatting, it's lifting, it, it's moving, it's running, it's jumping, it's, you know, it, and actually then properly would involve some swimming and, and all sorts of stuff. A whole variety of sports. And I mean, but then, yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel like it's taking it too far, but it's not really because as we all age, now our health and fitness, but our, our mobility is so important. And I used to reference earlier, you know, when I'm, I don't know, 70 years old or whatever it is, if I fall over, I want to be able to get back up again. I don't want to lie there, unable to get myself up off the floor. You know, I, I want to play with my natives. I want to do all sorts of things. You know, I want to go rock climbing, swimming, running, you name it. And I want to do all of that stuff as long as I can, which means I need to take care. And to do that, I for sure, I need to do some cardio type of uh, training, but I need to do some weight training as well. You know, I need to take care of my bone density, I need my muscle health and so on. And certainly with the age, that's more and more true. So. There's a whole host of reasons I, love. I haven't mentioned the fun part yet. I love it. It's so varied. And I'm someone who can get bored quite easily. And no, with functional fitness, it's so varied that uh, I haven't yet got bored with it. I've been doing it for a while now. So. 
<laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Also, what are some of the mental benefits of that kind of training? I think we we can kind of see the physical and feel the physical when we're doing it, but what about mental benefits? Sure. Well, look, with any with any exercise, and by that I mean even going for a brisk walk can have a whole host of physiological benefits which then have the knock-on effect for mental health as well and if you think about i know that for, you know it's the same for many people but i know if i'm having a bit of a dark day you know i i'm not naturally predisposed that way i have to say i'm a, a pretty positive upbeat person but we all have you know darker days and i know the thing that will fix me is i go for a run and what's happening there well okay yes you're breaking you're distracting yourself from whatever environment it was that was making you a bit glum. Typically getting outside, if you can, for me, that would mean going for a run. I'd be outside for fresh air, change of scenery. But of course, we're releasing all these endorphins now. You know, there's a whole host of chemical releases in the body that occur when you put your body under stress, which is what you're doing technically. A good stress when you're training, physical, doing some physical training. Um, and the most common and well-known is the endorphins, which flush through your body and they ultimately make you feel better mentally. They, they pick you up, they make you feel good. And that's really important. One of the other aspects from a mental health perspective, of course, is often, not always, but often we're training with other people. Even if it's in a class where we're not even chatting with other people, the fact that we're there with other people, you know, there's a human connection. There may be an instructor at the front who's telling us what to do, but also looking out for us and encouraging us. It's all human connection, and that's really important from a mental health perspective. Certainly, that's one of the reasons when we launched the Grand Slam, that online sort of global comp, that was a pairs competition. It was deliberately designed such that it encouraged, like you had to interact with at least one other human being rather than making it a solo endeavor. Because from a mental health perspective, and I think the pandemic has shown that more than ever, it's just you know, amplified it probably, but the importance of human connection, which is often made possible through fitness as well uh, and training it's so powerful yeah absolutely so how can people get involved with the bay games and also if they're interested in being part of it this year is the event still going ahead with covid and how's it all work so certainly anyone could go to our website thebaygames.com.au where they would find out about everything we are doing. They could also go to the impactproject.io, which is uh, where we have our workplace wellness program and that 12-month program, the leadership development and personal performance program. Those are the two most obvious places to find out more about us. Um, burning question, will the games go? So um, we're now dating this podcast. So uh, where are we? We're yeah, middle of the year in 2021. And for sure, it's kind of falling apart in New South Wales at the time of recording this in terms of the COVID reality. So there is, I have to say that the physical in-person Bay Games may have to be postponed again this year. There's a risk of, but at the moment we're planning full steam ahead, but we are waiting for Gladys to, to give us an update in the coming days to let us know what the next few months of restrictions look like. Certainly last year when we were not able to run the in-person event, we took it to an online environment called the Unstoppable Edition. And so certainly that, that's an option for us this year as well, if we have to. But certainly uh, it's more than just the Bay Games, as we've talked about, um, certainly at the impactprojects.io. Um, yeah, if anyone is in a workplace, they feel like they'd like to uh, amp things up a bit, have some fun and, and, and sort of get the teams connecting better and uh, communicating better, that's certainly something. And as well, the, the Unleashing Potential program is something um, new for 2021. And we are so excited. It's a 12-month program. And yeah, I mean, I won't plug it more here. 
I, even though you'd let me in, I, I appreciate that. That's not the intention of this podcast, but we're super excited that we've got Commando Steve, we've got Ross Hastings, I've mentioned a positive psychologist, we've got a whole team of absolute legends involved in that program. So um, that'll be a bunch of fun. So that's, yeah, that's what we're about. And that's how people can get in touch with us. Oh, and certainly um, the book, uh, leadbyexamplebook.com if people want to grab a copy of the book. And actually, I'd like to send you a, a couple more copies of the main. And, uh, you can run a little competition with your audience and, uh, and give a couple of copies away so that you can get them into hand with your audience as well. That sounds absolutely fantastic. And if you'd like to check out any of those things, I will put all those links in the show notes below. You can have a look at that at the end of the episode. I have one final question for you, Matt, and that is what is the the main takeaway if so we take anything from everything that we've talked about? What do you want someone to take away from this episode? Yeah, absolutely. Look, your your environment dictates your performance. You're in control of your environment mostly. So know your why, make it non-negotiable, and ultimately aim to have fun, be brave, and lead by example in everything that you do in life. That is awesome. That is a fantastic statement to finish on. Matt, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been so great to talk with you. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Mindset Mastery. Head down to the show notes where you can get involved in the Bay Games and also grab yourself a copy of Matt's book, Lead by Example. 50% of profits from the book also goes to Lifeline Australia. I can't wait to have your company again next time. Until then, remember, we are only limited by what we believe we are limited.